0: our hearts have already been warmed to hearing of the words of our dear brother Julius the passion that he has to see people trust in you and you alone for only eternal life the ministry that you've given to him and his family they serve you tirelessly in many ways they serve you O Lord God and giving all that they have so that others could come to know you. In reality, they are witnesses of what you've done for us. You gave all that heaven could afford. As Jesus as you came and died upon the cross for us. Your words that you uttered to Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and It closed by the wonderful phrase, it is finished. There's nothing that we can add. There's nothing that we dare take away from that powerful statement. For it is in that alone that we are made fully aware of the fact that all that Jesus did upon the cross and the resurrection was enough to pay my debt that I owe to God. And it is by grace through faith and believing in what Jesus accomplished on the cross was good enough to settle my account. I thank you, as many of us here this morning, we thank you, O Lord God, that now we are called the children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We rejoice in that precious promise And in many ways, and in many times, and that's the promise that we hold on to when life gets us down. Because we remember wonderful words that Jesus spoke as he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also no greater hope, no greater truth, no greater foundation than those words. And as we anticipate that great and glorious day, O oh Lord God, we thank you for allowing us this privilege, this privilege of coming and worshiping together as a family made up of many different personalities, but yet we are all under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we are grateful for this morning. We're grateful that we can come to you, Lord, not only just to worship, but also to pray one for another, to encourage one another. Some of our people, Lord, are are not well. They are suffering. They are feeling the effects of this world upon them through disease, and oh, God, we lift them to you this morning. We lift to you our dear sisters, both of them, Brianne and, and, and also Queensland. Queensland most recently has been diagnosed with Lyme disease. And we know that she's taking uh, antibiotics for that. But God, I, I pray that you would, in your way and in your will, strengthen her through this time. Give to her mom and dad uh, the calm assurance, oh Lord God, that that you're in control. The same with Breanne as she again waits for doctors to converse with one another and to try to come to some kind of a conclusion of what needs to be done in her life. I pray, oh God, that as they wait for that, that their strength would be renewed as they wait upon you. We're grateful, Lord, too, of hearing the wonderful news that Nathan Mosser is feeling better, that the physician that he's been able to uh, get connected with by your grace and and by the way that you uh, provided for that, we're grateful that the medication that he's taking is helping. We thank you for his strength. And even when he wasn't feeling well, there was always a smile on his face. Because he knows, oh Lord God, he knows you. And better yet, you know him. And you know everything about him. And we're grateful for the healing process that is taking place in, in his body. Lord, we are rejoice in your word. Sometimes life is more than a race. At times it feels like we're we're stuck in a a traffic jam on a freeway. Your word and the study that we've been involved in reminds us as we look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And there are many ways and many times when you just whisper to us just one more step take one more step. As we come to the conclusion of the study today, oh Lord, I pray that the weeks that we have been looking at the stories of faith that are recorded for us in the book of Hebrews, we come to the conclusion of how great all of those individuals are, how mighty the things that they have done, but yet we still have our race and we, like them, had our eyes fixed on something more than just circumstances of the day, something more than just the very bussiness and busyness of life. Our eyes are focused upon you. And in many ways, as the worship team led us, we're coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you, Jesus. So as we open your word, I pray, O God, that your words would be my words, your thoughts would be my thoughts, and that you, by your Spirit, would speak to our ears, that would connect to our hearts, that would revolutionize our life. For we desire to walk faithfully in your presence for your honor and for your glory. So bless our, your word, O oh Lord God, as you said you would. Not one jot or tittle will pass away. And I pray, O oh God, that today a fresh glimpse of who you are would rush upon our eyes and we would be changed. All for your honor and for your glory. We ask these things and praise you in match this name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I know enough about farming that my father in law taught me that cows are very habitual. They go to their certain stanchions. If another cow is in their stanchion, they'll sit there and they'll stand there and they'll rut it out so that they can get into. In other words, cows like to have a routine. This morning, not that you are cows, but our routine has been broken. You need to stand and welcome those around you before we get into the word of God. You know, let the pressure is on this morning because I stand before a doctor of theology, as we share the word of God, <laughs> and I can feel his staring eyes at me, <laughs> making sure that I doubt I I dot all of my eyes and cross my Ts the proper way. Reminds me of when I was in the cemetery. For you that didn't catch that when I was in seminary. (laughs) Well, good to have you here this morning, brother. For his glory. In 1968, the Olympics were held in Mexico City. One of the featured events of that particular Olympiad was the final event of all the running events, and that is the marathon, a 26 and a half mile journey through the city of Mexico City. And as the runners proceeded and ran long, and their final trek was to come back into the stadium, complete two more laps around the quarter mile track, and then cross the finish line. That year, the winner of that particular event was from Ethiopia. But the, rest, the race didn't finish for everyone. By about seven o'clock that evening, the weather got cooler and it started to rain. And about two hours after the individual who had won that particular race, there was a lone runner who entered the stadium. Not many individuals were there, but those individuals that were there, whether they were conversing about the previous day events or whatever, but those that were there and saw him, began to stand and they clapped and they cheered him on to finish, and they noticed that as he was running, it was becoming very laborious for him. Unbeknown to him or unbeknown to the individuals there, he had... About halfway through the race that day, he had fallen and severely injured his leg, so much so that they pulled him off the course so that they could bandage it up and he went back on the course to finish. So he really wasn't running, he was taking just one step, one more step. As he finally crossed the finish line, and the crowd of people that were there cheering him, he went into the dressing room and he was followed by reporters of that day. And they came to the individual, his name is John Stephen Aguari, he was from Tanzania. He was not going to win a medal, he was not going to be welcomed by great crowds of people though there were individuals there but yet the Reporters had a couple of questions for him, and they said to him, Why is it that you continued to run, knowing full well that you were not going to receive any kind of accolation? Why is it that even in your wounded situation that you kept going? And here's his words that he said. He said this. My country did not send me 7,000 miles to start this race. My country sent me to finish this race. God has called us not only to start a race of faith, but to finish it, to come to the finish line, At times, our race seems to be downhill speed. Events of our life seem to be making total sense. And God was receiving all the honor and glory. And then there's those times when the race seems to slow. We find ourselves discouraged. We find ourselves becoming more and more enamored, if you will, by the events of life. Sometimes our joy escapes us. We even begin to question, why am I even trying to run? But the words from that we've been looking at through the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and now focusing in on the first three verses of chapter 12 remind us of one thing and one thing only. And it might be just this, just one more step. Just one more step. When life, when you don't sense that you can make it to the finish line, Jesus is all he is doing is whispering in our ear just one more step. I'm reminded of a missionary couple that my wife and I know from a a previous church that we ministered at they too were ministering in the country of Africa. Their last names are the Greys. And their son, their youngest son, while they were ministering to the people there in their region contracted appendicitis. And where they were located, the nearest hospital it was two and a half hours away. By got time they got to the hospital, his the little boy's appendix had burst. And the poison permeated his whole body and he did not make, he didn't make it to the surgery table. He had passed away. And I remember the words from Mr. Gray as he shared with the congregation that morning when he said, sometimes God's grace is enough that you can get out of bed in the morning. That's all you can have. Because they could not bring their son home. They had to leave their region because of militant activity. And so they had to bury their son in a country that they're afraid that they'll never be able to get back to see. And of course, their questions were, why? They were like, Joe, they were like the individual, John Stephen Aguari. They were only taking one step, just one step more. in order to endure this race of faith there are four commands given to us in hebrews chapter 11 or chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 there are four commands let's read that passage together very short but encyclopedic in its meaning it says therefore we also despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility, such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The highlight is endurance. How do we endure the race, to the finish line. And it might be just one more step. The four things we want to look at this morning, in order for us to come to the end of this race faithfully, we need to lay aside every weight that hinders, lay aside, if you will, the sin that so easily ensnares us, we need to look unto Jesus and we need to consider him in all things those are the four commands of this passage the first one is not difficult to talk about because it talks about laying aside every weight that would hinder us i know that you cannot tell it right now But in my junior and senior high school years, when I was in 11th and 12th grade, I ran cross country. During practice, we were told to keep our sweats on, keep weight on. But when it came to race day, we had to remove everything Except, obviously, our shorts, our sneakers, our running shoes, and our shirts. Why? Because when you're running a race of great distance, through woods and through pastures, that were some of the courses I had to run on, you could not have things tangling you and enslaving you and get caught on things that are around you. You had to be, if you will, stripped down to the necessities in greek time during the writing of this particular text in reality when it came to long distance runners they would run literally with nothing on at all and so this portion of scripture this first command to lay aside the weight that would weigh us down is good for us this morning. We all come to the altar with with suitcases. You all brought this morning bags of weights. Some of the weights are very damaging. Some of the weights aren't so bad. But whether they're good or they're bad... The writer of Hebrews 12 was telling us, put them aside because they will ensnare us. They will keep us from running. Some of the weights that I was thinking of as it was describing, even in my own life, some of the weights were things of pride, areas of unbelief. There's some of you that might even be rooting for the wrong football team as a weight. Those things can hinder us from running a race. You see, the object is what is happening here in this passage as it, as chapter 11 comes to the close and chapter 12 begins to rise on the horizon yes it's it's nice to know that in Abel's life there's the faith of leaving a legacy in Enoch's life there's the faith of walking with God in Noah's life there's the faith of obeying God even in the midst of when it doesn't make sense in the life of Abraham it's going beyond the boundaries that we're very used to having going to the realm of the unseen so that God can show us great and mighty things. The life of Moses, it's a faith of being developed into being the leader that God has for him. And then it closes by talking about, by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. By faith, Rahab trusted God. And as the dialogue continues on, but yet it comes to the closure by saying these wonderful words, therefore, therefore, our race to effectively be run is a race of faith that is not encumbered or entangled by weights. I'm here to tell you this morning, dear people, that the only one that can remove your weight is the one who has already been your weight bearer. His name is Jesus. You can't go to any psychologist. You can't go to any philosophy You can't go to any other book other than the word of God, for it is there that you will find and know that Jesus Christ is our help and our mighty warrior. It is through him and him alone that we can be set free. The issue this morning is what weights are you carrying? Weights of doubt, worry? Weights that have encumbered you? To the fact that you can't even see the end of the finish line because you become so entangled by the ways of the world i'm here to tell you this morning that in jesus christ you can be set free for he alone he alone is the one we should be looking at the second command is not as easy to define because There are so many different thoughts on this particular one because it says, not only are we to lay aside the weight, but we also, in the Greek, to lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. Not sins, plural, but one, sin. The question on the table is this, which one is it? Well, first of all, if you have never trusted Christ in Christ alone for your only hope of salvation, that's the place you have to start. That's the beginning line. And you can do that by simply grace through faith and believing and trusting in him and him alone. The perfect sacrifice of God with no sin took sin upon himself that as he cried from the cross, it is finished, realize that what he did is enough to pay for your penalty of sin. That's where you begin. But what is this one talking about? Because this passage, this book is written to struggling believers. What sin is it? Personally, I'll give you my point of view. Do with it as you wish. Erase it from your memory bank. Save yourself some trouble and headaches. Just get rid of it. Or think about it. I really feel that the sin that so easily besets us is unbelief. Unbelief. Have you ever gotten to that point when, you, when you're looking at life and situations and you say, there's no way God can get me out of this? That's unbelief. Unbelief leads to faithlessness. Faithlessness. Every one of these examples that were for us in chapter 11 are not just to encourage us to see what active faith can do, but it is also a warning, if you will, of don't doubt God. Abraham, when it came time for him As the command from God came, take your son, your only son, whom you love. I want you to take him to a mountain, and I want you to kill him for me. We're told in the scriptures that the next day he went. He did not doubt. The reason he didn't doubt, because it's given to us as a clue here in chapter 11, that... He believed that even if his son died, that God could raise him from the dead. Doubt. Doubt can so cripple us. it, It can become so encumbersome upon ourselves that we even forget of who God is. The writer here tells us to get rid of that now the term lay it aside does not mean go and pick it up later it says put it away leave it don't even visit that area again some of us as the Writers in the, knots in the New Testament remind us that we've been th- praising God and, and know full, full well that he's coming again, but he hasn't come yet. We can doubt that he ever will. But rest assured, this I know from the word of God that whatever God says, he will do and he will accomplish as if it is already done. Don't doubt. And the reason that we don't doubt is for this, because in verse 2, we look unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. The one thing you never do when you're running cross-country is never look at your feet as you're running. Because by the time there's a, a twig or by the time there's a branch that has fallen in the route then it's too late if you're looking at your feet to be able to jump over it it will trip you we were always told to run with our eyes up looking ahead and the author here says look unto jesus why well he's described as the author and finisher of our faith he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the one who established and holds forth the very promise of eternal life. 1 John 5 in verse, in verse 11, that this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his life son he's the one who began it all and he is the one too that holds it secure for he says there's no man can pluck you from my hand looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith for the joy that was set before him That word joy is very interesting there because it speaks of two things. First of all, the joy of Jesus was knowing that he was fulfilling the will of the Father who sent him. Asked who he is and what he's doing many times by the Pharisees, he responded by saying, I've come to do the will of my Father who has sent me. And the joy was as even as he was on the cross and he cried out the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Still he knew that he was accomplishing that which his father had sent him to do. And then when he said it is finished, that's the capstone upon all that there is. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation that's been provided free of charge. All you have to do is believe and trust Him and Him alone. There's nothing that you can do to keep your salvation because it is finalized in Jesus Christ alone. And all He asks us to do is if we would trust him. Come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. But it doesn't finish there because it talks about in verse 3 of consider him. Consider him who has... endured such hostilities of sinners that when you become discouraged as you look unto him greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world and all that Jesus Christ has done for us is enough to keep us taking just one more step I don't watch many movies, but I did watch a movie by the name, the title of it was Saving Private Ryan. The gist of the movie was the fact that a family had sent four boys to World War II and three of them had lost their lives. So the command came from the United States that the final son, his name was Private Ryan, was to be found and rescued and sent back to the United States for, they felt that the mother of the, had suffered enough when losing of three boys. So there was a captain, Captain Miller, who had a regiment of individuals who were given the chore to go somewhere and try to find Private Ryan. In their journey, they squabbled much because they thought they should be doing something different than looking for one individual who they had no idea what he looked like. They wanted to be back quote, on the front lines doing their thing that they were supposed to do, but yet the orders came and, and in their journey they met hostility. They were engaged in enemy fire so much so that there were a number of the platoon that even lost their lives. But when they finally found Private Ryan and were able to secure him as they were about to leave they were engaged in a heavy battle of enemy forces so heavy was it that captain miller was severely wounded and as he sat there not able to move anymore propping himself up against a wall of a building Refusing to give up, Private Ryan went down and began to talk to him. And Captain Miller said these words. He said, earn this. Earn this. Words that Private Ryan understood the fact that the individuals who lost their lives for him, circumstances of battle that he was spared from in order to get him home, he was to earn this. The movie closes with Private Ryan and his family as they come back to Normandy and the grave sites he fell on his knees and he began to cry and weep uncontrollably. And he asked the question to his wife. He said, please tell me, have I lived a good enough life to earn this? No, you can't earn your salvation. We've already talked about that but what we do have is a race. It's a race that needs to be run to its completion. And there's nowhere in the word of God where I see that anyone is exempt from finishing their course. In fact, about the greatest closing I could do to this message is have you turn with me to a few verses in the book of Philippians chapter three. this is the testimony of paul and this is what he desires for his life and i'm sure to the church at philippi and we can even include that the grace community church in herndon it's the word these words beginning in verse 12. not that i have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus therefore let us as many as we are mature have this mind and if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal even this to you nevertheless to the degree that we have already attained let us walk by the same rule let us be of the same mind and it might just be just one more step let's pray Lord we've come to the close of a study but I pray O Lord that your word would not cease May the words that we have heard, may the fashion upon which the Holy Spirit has embraced them to our hearts and soul, may they not soon be forgotten. But may we, O oh Lord God, run our race, even if we only have the strength to just do one more step. as we look unto you as the beginner and the finisher of our faith, with our eyes focused upon you, may we be like the words the Apostle Paul wrote for us, that we press toward the high call of heaven in Christ Jesus. May we run faithfully, unhindered, unencumbered, may we run the race not just for a prize but for the purpose of honoring you and all that we say you do in the name of christ our savior we ask these things amen